0: The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using the promo code RTRS. Download their top-rated app. And brought to you by Adam Kasebi, the official realtor of the process at processrealtor.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where right Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code DAVESILVER. On the show today, the Sixers follow up a dominant win over Dallas with a true fucking clunker, a real Sixers run to Cleveland. The trade wins are in the air. The trade deadline is less than a month away. Kyle Lowry is a name that has been floated recently. Also, Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker. And then an icon an icon in r and and an unfortunate Celtics fan, the great Michael Bivens of Bell Biv DeVoe, Michael Bivens of New Edition, Michael Bivens who signed fucking Boys to Men will join us as we talk shit about his um, under 500 Celtics team. Before we get going, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, if you're listening, go subscribe to YouTube so you can watch it. We have a, uh, a really awesome uh, piece from... Mike O'Connor coming later this week that will be on our YouTube channel. It will only be on YouTube. So write Streaky Sanchez on YouTube. Please subscribe. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here.
1: Say the name. I say the name. I say the name.
0: We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rice right to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who's Brian Dawkins, Alan Iverson, Jimmy Rollins, Ruth Bader-Ginsburg, Joel Embiid tattoo could come to the to life on somebody else if he just gives me the go-ahead. That is Mike Levin. If I give you the go-ahead? So a couple of people on Twitter volunteered to get the tattoo as long as we pay for it. And I obviously I have I, I'm in the tattoo community, so I can get somebody to do it. But I I feel like you would have to say it's okay for that to happen. It's your your dream. Remarkable.
1: Uh, I guess I would need to. It has to be in my image. Then I need to I need to be able to. Yeah. Approve it.
0: Yes. So of course. I guess
1: let me see a couple. It needs to be embarrassing. It needs to be really like gates of heaven. Need like, can you do like, light coming down in a tattoo? Yeah. Can you do like yep. shining from. From the heavens, type thing.
0: Yes. Yep. A hundred percent.
1: That's gonna. That's gonna look. That's gonna look rough. That's gonna well, look the, a rough looking thing.
0: Well, the last thing time you mentioned, you wanted them to be on the inside of an elephant or something. Oh, that was a different. Yeah, that was a, I guess a different <laughs> approach would be that one. Okay. Well, I will reach out to the two people who said they would do it and make sure that they're sure. And if they're sure, I'm gonna reach out to Tim Pangburn and see if he'll do an artist rendering, <laughs> and then, then we can start. Start the planning. Look, man, that uh, that game—you could tell five seconds fucking in last night that they were trying. They were sleepwalking through it. I mean, yeah. you, you could see it, and they they tried in the second half to wake themselves up, and it just—it wasn't enough, and they just. It just you could see it like they the way, they weren't getting back on defense in transition. They just there was just no juice from them last night.
1: Yeah, I mean a super 2019-2020 loss. Um, mm-hmm. Total lack of focus, just kind of always like everyone except for Embiid shooting nine of nineteen from the line. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. Like uh, Simmons, who has been shooting great from the line, and I've been coming like, a very monitoring those decimal points every time. Like did not look good from the line, uh, one of four, and then like. Corkma's one for three and then the, the 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 final miss at the end of the third quarter ending in a, a full court you know fast break one one man fast break for Sexton that nobody got back on which is just very disappointing and then Mike Scott missed both it's just like it's just too much like, you can't you can't do that against the Cavs and it, it was clear like you said from the from the top that they just didn't have it but again i think in I think last year that game is because Embiid and Simmons have been playing so well. I think last last year that game is a a blowout uh, and like an embarrassment, like a uh, team meeting style, yeah. like close the doors, point fingers type of thing. And I think they're still they're still good enough that even though you know Seth Seth shot one of thirteen, that won't happen again. It's the worst shooting night of his career, um, and guys made some bad decisions and turned the ball over
0: too much and all that. But uh, I think Simmons NBA, Simmons was particularly sloppy in yeah. trying to throw passes that felt like all star game passes, and not sure. you know why are you, why are you trying to thread the needle there? It, For sure, it, you um,
1: know. and the offensive foul. I mean, he, the, the offensive foul he had that negated a, uh, a shake three mm-hmm. that would have tied the game. Um, he seemed to just kind of take his foot off the gas a little bit in overtime and felt and started to get back to the the like drifting away from the basket Ben that. Uh, that he does sometimes that he did in, in, you know earlier in his career when he would just sort of like float a little bit, which that hook shot when it goes in is really nice, but I I, I still prefer the go up strong guy, which we've seen more lately. Um, but if Embiid hits that step back to end the game, then uh, they win. And we we talk about how they stole one in a game that they you know had no business winning, and that they're different. And so I think Embiid's mid range the past like three or four games has started to regress, which is. Pretty funny to say despite him being having 42 points on 22 shots yeah f- uh,
0: 42 points 12 rebounds six assists he's regressing <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. yeah
1: you could tell like the you know he's been he's been shooting like 70 on mid-range it's just unbelievable numbers that no one's ever seen before um so it was bound to start happening but you could tell like the touch the automatic touch seems to be leaving him a little bit but what i like to see was that he he decided i'm just gonna go right into jared allen's chest and uh, overpowered him a bunch of times um, and got some, some vicious dunks there, which was nice. Um, if, that, if that step back goes in, we're talking about how great this team is and how everything happens, and I think just, you know, it's one shot. I feel, I feel great about that Dallas win, that Dallas win ruled, and I think that, you know, the defensive intensity that they showed in that Dallas game, you know, two shot clock violations in the first minutes, uh, they had a five second call for a, a couple minutes later It's just a ton of steals and turnovers and made Luca look like totally lost especially with Ben on him um, it was really very cool so I, I hope this is just a they shot bad and didn't have much juice but it is it is a concern as far as like without Tobias Simmons and Embiid are great and the and the drop off is, is steep they don't have enough guys that can do multiple things and um, even when Tobias isn't great he still represents like another option and and shake is still working his way back but right now it's like Embiid and Simmons and a bunch of guys who can do the
0: one thing that those guys can do i'm going to knock my fucking dog out by the way uh, i'm never going to knock him out but if he doesn't shut up i'm going to kill him so there there are a couple of things that uh the the coming out flat thing to your i agree and i think did somebody mention it maybe in a post game presser? I don't know. You're right. Last year, it would have been like, oh boy, another dead game for them. And this year, I I don't feel the same thing. But the things that struck me as, you know, things to, to really look at, first of all, Embiid talking about after the game, how they need to shoot more three pointers. And like, you know, when you're open, shoot it is something he said. And it's, you know when he's saying it and he's noticing it, it's just something to, to file away. Um, the second thing being like, I don't know, their half court offense is like, this is we'll get to the Kyle Lowry thing, but they just they need a, a real guard. They they just when things get sludgy like that, and this is the same thing that happened against Toronto, they just need somebody who can um, who can create a shot for himself. And then the third thing being, your your point about Tobias is right, but I see people complaining about the bench all the time. Like, here's the thing, guys. When you have $100 million tied up in three players, your bench isn't going to be that fucking good. Like, it's just you, Brooklyn's bench looks terrible. You know, like, uh, like even Boston's bench looks terrible. It's not easy to have... And, of course, we, we want more out of them, and the last three years has, have not been helpful in, in, in creating like enough players there. But truly, when you're paying that much money to your top three guys, one of those three guys should always be able to carry a bench unit, should always be able to carry a bench unit, or, or at least two out of those three guys. And we haven't really had that consistently enough, and that is the the concern in putting that much that many resources in three players is that you are wholly dependent on those three players and um, you know it's just like an allocation of resources game so it's really going to come down to those three guys like those three guys just have to be fantastic all the time and we I don't I personally don't think we can complain about Dwight Howard not being good enough or fucking whoever it is they bring off the bench not being good enough it's like it's on those three guys at this point and they're going to win a championship or not win a championship on those three guys.
1: I mean, maybe. I mean, I think Simmons and Embiid play, played pretty great, aside from some sloppiness from, from both guys at times. And the guys just missed shots because they ran him off the line. Steph Curry, Seth Curry gets run off the line really easily. Um, Maxey cannot be dependent on right now to do much of anything. He's just totally unwilling to take threes when the ball swung to him quickly um so he really shouldn't be out there which is tough because his ball handling and and pressure on the rim is is a is a help to this team especially when Simmons is not out there um I I mean Matisse attacked a closeout and finished at the rim that was nice like the fact that we remember you know that 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 place felt like stuck in my mind because it's like we just don't see it much
0: from guys who can get all the way there like all, all those things are true. I agree with all those things, but I I just think it comes back to the question of like, like if if you're allocating that much of your oh for sure you like it just has and the, the question well, we know Embiid is good enough to to be paid that on this specific team, but the the other two guys will will just have to will have to be performing at their top. Um, Efficiency just at all times in the playoffs. Just at at all times. Without without
1: without one of them, it becomes clear that this team is limited. And it's just there's too many guys. There's guys on this team that are just. This is exactly what they do, and they don't do much else. Um, And sometimes they hit shots, and sometimes they miss shots. But like there is a limited amount of versatility offensively right. especially in the half court with all these other guys. Um and occasionally Seth looks good and I don't we don't know how covid's affecting him which is interesting cuz he, he does talk about it. And I think he talks yeah. about it because um he is on a 3 year contract and there's a bunch of guys that I'm sure have gotten covid that are on expiring contracts that don't want to talk about it because it affects their next deal, you know? It's it's just a weird um situation that we're going through, but it seems I mean Jason Tatum is another guy that 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 talks about it a little bit and it's just so he looked really bad. Sometimes he looks good. I think it's just like, you know, consistency levels are, are off and, and it's, it's really unknowable. Um, so sometimes Th- Seth looks like, you know, he can run a little pick and roll and he can finish in that mid-range and he's got touch all over the court and he, and he can draw the defense. And you can see even when he shoots one of 13, he's still so useful out there because the defense have to account for him. He still finished with a plus seven. That's, that's like totally not surprising to me at all. Um, but it's just like you, too many guys on this team... Especially when Shake's not like really clicking, are um, that 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 are really unable to to do much else. Like you think about mm-hmm. the Raptors, just as an example, and they seem like they have so many guys. Like okay, Siakam's out. Like Ananobi is a guy that can at least attack a out and finish around in contact or whatever it is. Like sometimes you think about Mike Scott, who's playing better, um, playing better defensively and starting to look at the rim a little bit more, but. You see him like attacking, and it looks like he's like galloping, and there's no one that's even considering being threatened by that that ball pressure, and there's just it's just not enough guys. And in the playoffs, it's going to be seven or eight guys. Whatever happens, they're going to find they're going to make a couple trades, buyout market, whatever it is. But yeah, it's a really as much as the spacing around Simmons and Embiid is nice, and there's a lot of like pieces that are elite at one thing. There's just not quite enough guys that that you trust on both ends on this team yet, and and it's really for me it's like four, um, and when, when Shake's not like feeling really good, then it becomes three. So it's
0: it's tough. I wanna I wanna make sure we talk about um, the Kyle Lowry and Oladipo stuff. The the only other thing I wanted to mention is I, Isaiah Joe went from being ahead of Corkmaz in the rotation to not playing in two games to sent to the G League bubble. <laughs>
1: In in four days, <laughs> He got sent to the bubble. I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's good. Now the bubble only goes to March 11th, so they might just want to get him some, yeah. you know, some run on the court before it's over. But nice. yeah, he got sent to the bubble That's Sunday exciting. morning. It was yeah. it was
1: a very quick Isaiah Joe minutes, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. who was hurt? Somebody was hurt, and then Corkman stepped in. I mean, well, was uh, Tobias. Before. Was it was it Tobias or was it somebody before Tobias? I can't remember.
0: Might have been uh, said, oh, said Curry Tobias. was out, and then yeah. Tobias
1: was out. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I watched some of the some of the bubble, by the way. Some uh, some okay. Paul Reed and Ray John Tucker looking looking pretty interesting. Paul Reed, B-ball Paul. Yeah, um, yeah, he's had a, he's
0: had a good bubble.
1: He looks like com- more comfortable, and it's weird to see someone look comfortable when they're that like awkward and uh, uh, random with the way their limbs are flailing about. Like there's his <laughs> like elbow flares out when he shoots. It's just very. It's a very odd. It's a very odd player that I'm. I'm excited about and have always been. He's
0: Arianas. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, so, I do want to say
1: ahead. two two things before about the game. I thought that the... There was one Ben defensive play that I just want to call out in the Mavs game. He was obviously like incredible on Luka and it's just mm-hmm. very exciting to see how much... You know, how incredibly versatile Ben is on the defensive end um, and his switchability and his motor and stuff. But there's one play... There's just like instincts. When Luca passed the ball to Willie Cauley Stein and Ben, almost instantly go like you can see his mind going like he Willie Cauley Stein's not gonna make the right decision here, and he just comes up from behind him. And Willie Cauley Stein's dribbling yeah. like he's excited about dribbling uh, for the first time all game. And Ben just comes behind him and just po- pokes the ball out. He ran how like does, how does no one court. call that out to Willie Cauley Stein? I don't know. I think mean, they might have, and he just might have gotten nervous <laughs> yeah. or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. But like Ben, he ran like almost you know as far as the court width. He he ran halfway across the court uh there was that's a good like 20 feet more uh that he got there really quickly and 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 passed it ahead to mb for a dunk which was nice
0: mike if at the end of this the sixers do not win a championship do you think we will be able to bring a lawsuit against them for a waste of years and years and years of our lives i would certainly explore it yeah yeah i think it there might be a what's it called when you get a bunch of people in one suit Class action. A class action suit. Yeah, we'll call Cornblow. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Adam Cornblow uh, runs the uh, the law firm with his mom. You hear a lot about personal injury law firms. You hear them advertised on the radio. You see them on TV. You see billboards. And the thing is, is that it's not really personal service. When you when you see something on a billboard and you see a guy's face on a billboard, you call that. Um, law firm, and you're not getting that person. It's really just a referral service. When you call Cornblow and Cornblow, you're getting a Cornblow. Um, and you know, personal injury lawsuits can take forever. They're confusing. They they kind of suck. So having somebody like Cornblow in your corner, Cornblow in your corner. Um, corner with it, with a K, uh, is is a good thing. You you want somebody in your corner like that. This law firm, Kornblow & Kornblow, been around for like 40 years. Some of the biggest medical malpractice results in Southeastern PA. You don't even have to go there. He can come to you. You don't want him to come to you. You get him on the phone. And the other thing about Kornblow, he's such a good dude and so trustworthy. So many of our listeners have gone to him with other legal issues. He will take care of that for you too. Um, just email him, Cornblow at Cornblow and 215-576-7200. If it's personal injury, if you're hurt in any way and you think you might have a case, it doesn't cost you anything to call him. It doesn't cost you anything to email him, and he doesn't collect one penny until you collect something. Um, 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email Cornblow at cornblow.com Cornblow spelled with a K, the rest. I also noted that... Uh Dallas went small uh,
1: after after, um, yeah. after half, and they went with James Johnson, which which was interesting. Um, it's so exciting to see teams ch- just reach into their bag to try anything to stop Embiid. They're like throwing assistant coaches out there. They're yeah. trying to like you know tie up the ref like they're ringside managers or something in wrestling. Like any any gamesmanship they are doing to to get to make it a little harder on Embiid. It's really exciting to see how how good he is and how how much people have to account for him um and i we got to talk about you know ben simmons hits a three at the end of the game you cash out very exciting for you yeah um only bet five
0: bucks by the way it was plus 1400 odds i should have bet 20 or 10 like i normally do and i didn't sure
1: but i thought i even the three even him taking that three doesn't mean anything but the uh he just looks different in the half court the last month or so like the the team is still not quite affected they're still a lot of things that need to be done to improve in the half court, but I think Ben specifically looks like so much more of a weapon in the half court with the ball in his hands from anywhere. Um, that so, I think it's really inspiring for for like what his future could look like if he keeps improving.
0: I would agree. The last three games, though, six free throws, five free throws, four free throws. Like let's like let's not. I don't want him to take his foot off the gas there you know mm-hmm. like like that that that's a necessary part of his efficiency is is getting to the line so i just want to make sure that that well i want to make sure i would like him to make sure that 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 he yeah. keeps his foot on the gas there i think
1: you know? he was he did he, there was a bunch of i think he was aggressive in the Cavs game and it just they weren't giving him calls i think that they mm-hmm. were bumping him and, and hitting him a lot and he just wasn't getting it for some reason um i find it interesting that this team is so good at getting out in the fast break and so bad at getting beaten the fast break. Yeah, um, it's terrible. It is a really interesting thing. I thought Danny had a couple nice chase down blocks, um, but then did the did the Danny of getting uh, driving into traffic with a minute left and getting blocked by three separate people. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. But um, yeah, it's, they're an, they're a really interesting team. The, the it's you wouldn't think that this team. Aside from Ben, like they're not a fast break team, but they, 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 they're not like a ton of like athletes and, and guys who are just like flying down the court all the time finishing. It's really just Ben. Um, but it's an, it, and you would think that defensively they'd be able to get back more. But I think that'll be something that they'll correct over the course of the season.
0: So Keith Pompey re- re- reports two rumors this week. One. That the Raptors would like to reward uh, Kyle Lowry by sending him to a playoff contender, and that he's pushing for Philadelphia. By the way, as the Raptors are in their most effective two week uh, play of the the year, um, and isn't, then his, isn't
1: that mostly without Lowry though?
0: Yeah, but like he's played well, and his agent denied it. But so whatever. And then he also reports. Uh, or did he report or Did he just write about? Oh, you know, Depot is obviously going to be available, and PJ Tucker will obviously be available. So my my first thing: Lowry makes thirty million. So we mentioned this before. You automatically Green's got to be in there. Scott's got to be in there. Maybe Ferguson Poirier gets you to twenty five, and then whatever player they actually want. Um, and then you figure it's gonna be a first or two. I the real. The real question for Maury on this is how close does he think that they are to a championship? And is it worth, like, spending assets that could be a part of a more serious trade in the offseason to do the Lowry thing? You you were originally sort of a no, but you've changed your mind. Yeah, I
1: think think that they are close, and I think that— especially with Ben's improvement, like having another ball handler that could run, pick, and roll, set up the offense, all that stuff. I don't think it's a perfect fit. I don't think, you know, especially with the other guys here, I don't think like a Lowry-Curry backcourt is great. Um, Defensively, I mean, but I think that Lowry still has a ton of juice in him. Uh, He's a great leader. He's a floor spacer when Ben has the ball, and he can run offense himself. He moves the ball fast. He'd be instantly the second best patch on this team, maybe the first, um, just in terms of, like, speed and precision. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a Philly guy. Like, it'd be so cool to bring him home. Uh, And it feels narratively right to, like, that's how we'd win a championship is, like, bringing Kyle Lowry back. After, like, he was in Toronto for so long and then Kawhi comes in and then he wins one, I feels like Lowry being the final piece here feels just, like, really very cool. So if it
0: costs costs those players two firsts and maxi, I don't think it would. Hmm. I
1: think that, I think that would be too much. But One first
0: think, and Maxi? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you do Well, that. it's gotta be at least a first.
1: I it's think. gotta be at least a first. Um, and a player, I think. Probably. I would say probably. Yeah. I think that there's, you know, the, the gamesmanship of like, hey, he wants to come here. He's expiring. You're gonna get nothing for him. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a, you know, there's good vibes to be had of you doing right by this guy who's beloved there, but they are good. I mean, they are still mm-hmm. good, and and will probably end end in the sort of four or five range.
0: They could um, win a round. They could win absolutely. two rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it would be
1: cool. I would feel very skittish on giving up Maxi this early for what might be a. Um, Half season rental. I think the idea would be if you trade for Kyle Lowry, then you go okay, we're gonna sign him to a two year deal with his bird rights, so he
0: can retire here. Two years, forty million or something. I, I hope you can get it for less, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, but then then, then they might
1: not be able to afford him then. You yeah. know, I think that I don't think that you, I don't think that you go. All right, let's do, you know, Maxi and Matisse. Or two firsts or whatever it is for a guy for a half season rental. I just don't think you can do that. Um, I think you have to think we are going to sign him for for two seasons after this, and whether it's uh, whether it's Maxi or whoever you get in the draft, that's going to be the you know that's going to be the, the who Lowry is mentoring to be the next guy that steps in. Um, and, and it'd be then, nice if it was Maxi, you know, if they if they held on to Maxi. Like I would love for Tyrese Maxi to grow under under Kyle Lowry. That would be the coolest thing. Um, or maybe it's just Shake. Maybe that maybe they just decide that Shake can be like point guard level person of the future. Um, in in a in a Lowry type way, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm I'm less concerned about depleting depth, especially for the playoffs, um, than I was. Because I think you just, like, there's going to be buyouts. There's going to be guys available. There's going to be, like, salary cap trickery that you can do.
0: Here's uh, my other question. Before we get to Oladipo and Tucker essentially would cost money-wise the same thing. So for those assets, theoretically, you could get both of those guys, which would give you a second rotation player. The real question to me is when was the last time that a team traded for a starter, a significant starter, Top three player on the team ish, before the trade deadline and won a title. Marc Gasol. In Toronto. N- no, I mean he's. It, it's not not the same thing. I don't. Hundred like, percent it was. He was he was
1: no. the he was like the third or fourth best player on that team. He he absolutely helped that defense and, and carried it through. They don't, I don't think sure, they won a the title how, without Gasol. Well,
0: maybe, but I I I don't think. I, I don't think it's the same thing. I, I I don't think it's the same thing when you're talking about a a person who's probably going to have a usage rate of twenty five on your team, or you know, and and Marc Gasol who doesn't touch the ball at all. Sure, you but know, he was I,
1: he was extremely relevant to the to the defensive side of the ball, and and became immediately you know way better at communicating and walling up, and sort of allowed their identity to flourish as like because we have Gasol back there, like sort of orchestrating things they can fly out on shooters and, and not feel like they're left naked
0: back there. Okay. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of them, I guess I would say. I, I will give you Gasol. I don't think there's a lot of these things that happen and end up working um, just because it takes so long to to really get a, a rhythm with players. You know, we, we've seen this year. I, I don't think it's accidental that a team like Utah is – And even a team like the Sixers, uh, well, a team like Utah has so much consistency year to year, and they start off the season really, really well. I don't think, you know, the Lowry or Oladipo, whoever they trade up, is not going to have a ton of time with this team to figure it out. So I think it's something else to consider. Would you be interested in Oladipo slash Tucker?
1: I mean, I think that you could get Tucker with the trade exception. um, Mm -hmm, Without giving up. For for probably a a pick or two seconds or something Mm -hmm. like that. so I I feel like, I think Debo's pretty good. I think he's having a weird year, and I think he needs to sort of like s- stabilize at a place and, and know what his role is. I think he's a guy that could easily kind of fall off and, and be a little bit, if he's not on the ball, he becomes a little bit useless mm-hmm. um, or just scattered and not knowing exactly what he's doing. Um, so I think as far as a fill-in guy, leading into a championship on this team, Kyle Lowry is a way better fit than Victor Oladipo by a lot.
0: I agree. I agree. Um,
1: and I, so I think that there's the concern of, like, how can you integrate someone midway through the season? I'm, I'm more concerned about Oladipo. Lowry, I just feel like it would work. I think he's smart. I think, he, I think him and Doc would figure it out. Um, I think he's a perfect – he's the, the, the ideal guy. He's the ideal third guy next to Simmons, and he has been for a while. It's not surprising that we've kind of talked about this a bunch of times over the last like three or four years because Kyle Lowry Mm -hmm. is like defense shooting plus a good amount of ball handling and just like being the right seemingly mindset that would be like I'm just imagining Embiid lifting up Kyle Lowry after a drawn charge like in the conference finals and like being so pumped about it like that. It just feels right. It just feels really right.
0: I agree. I I agree that Lowry would be a much better fit. I'm intrigued by the idea of Oladipo, but boy, the last two, three years, like you just don't see very much of him or what he's done. And I, I, I don't care that Kyle Lowry doesn't have a contract after this year, but the idea of Oladipo gunning for a contract because it's much more important in his career, based on where he is in his career, than it is for Lowry. Like Lowry knows what he's going to get after this year, but I feel like Oladipo is out to prove something in a bad way. And the minute that he's not getting shots, I don't think he's a bad guy or anything. I just I think the vibe could get weird very quickly with somebody in that position, like Oladipo is. You know, sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I I would bet on it not happening, but uh, but it would be nice if it did. That I think that's where I am on well, that's,
1: it. Well, you've been betting on Simmons hitting a three with that exact mindset that exact <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for a months point. now. So.
0: Yeah, and I'm only $400 in the hole even after winning one. So. That's right. Mike, so the last time we talked about Adam Kasabi, the process realtor, who now is serving all of Delaware, including Newcastle County and the beaches and wherever you are, we got We were joking about the difference between northern and southern Delaware, given that the physical distance is not that far. And we got several emails lambasting us for suggesting. Doesn't seem to be surprising. (laughs) We offended (laughs) Delawareans. Now, one person said, now I, I do imagine this is likely true, having been to the Carolinas or even Maryland, that southern Delaware thinks that they're in the south. And I don't think we're talking about the shore points, but maybe the non-shore points, Southern Delaware, that you kind of think, I don't know if you've ever been to the Carolinas or even Maryland. Sometimes it feels like you're already in the South when you get there. So I suppose that's, that's possible. Uh, Adam Kasabi is the official realtor of the Ricky, the official realtor of the process. And now, so he focused on Delaware beaches before, now still has a focus on Delaware beaches, but he's got a whole team of realtors covering Newcastle County all the way down to the beaches, Newcastle County is Wilmington. So whether you want to move to Northern Delaware, which is very, very different than Southern Delaware, whether you want to buy a home in the Delaware beaches, he's got you covered. Northern to Southern Delaware, based out of Long and Foster in uh, Bethany Beach, every square inch of Delaware. And... Kasebi also has helped a number of our listeners with homes outside of Delaware. He can't sell it to you, but he'll always connect you with the right person. So whether it's PA, Jersey, New York, whatever, um, or if you want to refinance, he can help you with that too. Um, I've mentioned the benefits of Delaware as far as real estate much, much, much lower property taxes, especially when you're comparing Jersey Shore to Delaware beaches. And these interest rates are not going to stay this low forever. So take advantage if you can. Um, A very trusted member of the Ricky sponsor community. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. A special going on. If you sell in Northern Delaware and buy a house at the Delaware Shore, He will pay $1,000 toward your moving expenses and make him pay every penny. Don't let him cheap out on you. Adam at processrealtor.com. And that number, you can text it to. uh, Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, processrealtor.com. So as you're listening or watching this pod, there is like in between what I was saying there and now, we stopped the recording so we could wait for Michael Bivens. No Michael Bivens. Is he, Do you think it's because the Celtics are under 500? Is he fearful? Does he
1: not? It would be a good way to punk us, I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: As a, as a, as uh, a fuck you yeah, from Celtics fans, nation?
1: Yeah, these Sixers fans are getting a little too high on themselves. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go on the Sixers podcast and then not show up. I mean, it's a good move.
0: Yeah. Right. I was pretty excited, honestly, as a, you know, I'm obviously uh, much older than you, but having lived through Bell Biv DeVoe and lived through new edition and then been a huge Boys to Men fan. I was pretty fucking cool. I was pretty psyched, actually. And now no Michael Bivans. No biv. So what we'll do you get, get biv. You know, yeah, we'll get biv. We'll get next time he'll have to he'll have to wear a Sixers jersey during it or something as a punishment.
1: <laughs> fans punish demand
0: my... Biv. fans <laughs> demand biv. Uh, the hard to stomach, YouTube comment of the week brought to you by kinetic skateboarding get 9.1 off your first order with promo code dave silver as we uh, some great cargo pants new kinetic cargos i imagine you're not a cargo guy i love cargos you're not a I'm cargo. Not a
1: car- i'm not i'm not a cargo guy yeah no. i'm not, i don't need anything I, have, I need nothing in my pocket
0: <laughs> yeah you, no you want negative pockets right
1: just like what are, what are we doing in there
0: yeah, well, it's, spring is coming, man, so if you want some shorts, uh, I was talking to Ben at Kinetic about doing new another edition of the mesh shorts, which I'm sure you loved. Maybe you can wear them in your, your first basketball game back. So
1: Really hurting yourself, stretching, pulling a shoulder, not to, not to say a new edition of their mesh shorts.
0: Uh, I hadn't even thought of that, a new edition. It. it was right there. Fuck, man. Get 9.1% off your first order with the promo code Dave Silver at KineticSkateboarding.com. All right. The hard-to-stomach YouTube comment of the week comes from Jeremy Denny. Being an Australian citizen, I am willing to take one for the team and marry Joel so that he can join the Australian national team where he, Ben, and Matisse can have a lovely chemistry building off season getaway to the Japan Olympics. I'm sure winning a gold medal would be better for Ben and Joel's relationship than some lame trip to Napa. Matisse would obviously vlog the trip so we could see how the relationship further develops. Are you in favor of Jeremy marrying Joel? Joel's not married as of now.
1: I'm. Absolutely in favor of Jeremy marrying marrying Joel. I don't want Joel playing more minutes, so I don't need him to be playing uh, for any national team. I actually don't know if he's... Mm. Is he playing for Cameroon? Has he announced that at all? No, I've not seen anything about that. So I'd prefer him to to rest up. But, uh, yeah, the idea that Ben and Joel... And it's like, we also need Matisse there. We need him. We need him for chemistry. He's got (laughs) to... Just him
0: like latching onto the trip and being well, like. Well, Matisse the, is on the Australian national team. Do we do we know? know? Yeah. How did, know. how did how does that? Ha- He's not Australian, is he? Uh, I think he lived there for a little bit uh, as a kid. Hmm. I, um, I wonder what I don't I have I literally have no idea what those rules are. Whether you can. I think I think it's a soft if you have lived here or
1: you have family that have li- have lived here. It's like close enough.
0: If you like ACDC or NXS, something loose rules. Very Loose, loose rules. rules. Loose for rules. Sure. Uh, and by the way, just to a real, just to close the loop on the Lowry Oladipo thing, I, I do agree with you. I would not trade for Oladipo. Would you, I would take a flyer maybe on Oladipo. Maybe if he didn't cost anything, I, you know? He's I, a guy I would
1: I would look at in the off season. I would see yeah. what what the situation is there. But as far as
0: uh, during the season, it just seems like tough to integrate. Right. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Brown mailbag. Send us an email, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. One, uh, one basketball, one non-basketball question. I figured you would love this one as it brings the Phillies and the Sixers together. This comes from David. Hey, guys, love the pod. Been listening since it was a glorified phone conversation, which it, it still is, I guess. But been working through some thoughts on how the current Sixers compared to the last team I followed this closely and felt this invested in, the late aughts Phillies. Let me take you through some of my thoughts and would love to hear what else you guys think. Simmons, to me, is a combination of Cole Hamels in that detractors seem inclined to label him as soft or otherwise not right for Philly, and Ryan Howard in that there's such a tendency to focus on what he doesn't do to the detriment of appreciating the Phillies. All right, How do I'm you on feel? board so far. You're, you're on board, yeah. I, think, I thought that was a, a perfect comp. Joel, meanwhile, is an amalgamation of Jimmy and Chase, Jimmy, Mm -hmm. in that he's the vocal leader of the team and willing to talk trash, uh, that he'll go and back up. And Chase, in that he's just the player that most often makes plays that make you chuckle and feel like you're watching a player that you'll never forget watching. Fair. Right? Good Mm -hmm. so far. Doc and Charlie seem to share the quality that they don't seem to have changed a ton tactically with the team, but came in and totally improved the vibes.
1: That's fair. That's a reasonable way to say it. Yeah, sure. Sure.
0: I think it's so much its so much harder to even know what the fuck a baseball manager does unless they do something wrong, honestly. Um, but Charlie was definitely A-plus in vibes. There's just more to do tactically with a basketball team than there is with a baseball team, but I think it's all right. It's imperfect, but I'm going to say there's a little bit of Gillick Ruben Amaro Jr. to the Daryl Elton thing. Uh, I don't
1: see it with Elton... But if you go back to Calangelo, then I'd maybe I'd maybe have more arguments there. Oh, really? You're not gonna? I, g- I don't think because Elton. Oh, I got so mad I knocked my headphones off.
0: That's alright.
1: Uh, Elton, I think is he's still there, so it's hard to it's hard to like Amaro, and I mean like and maybe an Ed Wade situation. Um, there is some. Like, the guy that was here before, and I'm like, why do we have this person? Oh, I guess it's because of Colangelo. There's not many of those guys. There's really just Gorkmaz, and I <laughs> guess yeah, I'm not going to give him credit for Ben. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess Colangelo melts into the Elton Brand era, which is why we have Shake and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's close. There's there's weirdness there, but I, I don't know that the, 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 the current roster
0: backs it up. I think Shake is the Victorino, but I'd also hear an argument from Matisse. It's 100% Matisse, I think. Shake doesn't have the Victorino personality. Like Victorino, I interviewed him once. I've never spoken to somebody with a shorter attention span <laughs> uh, and just sort of has that goofy... Sort of everybody loves him vibe, but like, you know, he's going to do something wrong at some point. I don't know. Sure. I think Vic, 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 like Victorino is a much better player than Matisse is, at least currently, but I think yeah. the vibes comp, right? I feel like
1: Shake is Jason Worth. I think he's a little bit ornery. Mm, uh, he's good. Like lo- long in a fun way. He's good. He's a two-way player. Um, I, f- I, feel, I feel like Shake is, is Worth.
0: And then finally, a couple of other notes. I think this really cements the Covington-Abreu comp. Uh, eh. Boy, I hate this podcast, how many times we've mentioned Bobby Abreu. Uh, Bobby Abreu, baby. (laughs) I I think Dario would have- father of us all. (laughs) <laughs> I think Dario would have really grown into a Sixers-Chooch kind of role, but I'm not really yeah. sure there is one. And as my fiancé pointed out, we're also missing a Brad Lidge closer on the Sixers. Also, sadly, this would probably project Maxi in the Tom Brown role. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that's exactly what it is. I love Dominic Brown. Holy shit. He literally so had one I good month. All about Dominic Brown. Um, one,
0: one good month.
1: Yeah. I think that Korkmaz could be Chooch. Um, I think there's a, there's like a boyish spirit to both of those guys. Like, Korkmaz saying it is the, uh, saying that when he hit the shot against Portland that it was the best moment of his life. I feel like Chooch, Chooch doing that is similar. There's a, there's a happiness there. There's also a moment in the Mavs game where Korkmaz and Embiid were smiling at each other that I, that I found pretty, pretty delightful. Uh, I could see that. I I guess a Brad Lidge situation, you could say it's, you could say it's Seth. Um... But it's hard to get there it's it's kind of tough to get there
0: yeah i think i think in the in this case they were talking about an actual like closer closer um mm-hmm. like on the sixers which they don't totally have as of right now so i'm trying to
1: find I, a place for tobias i guess maybe tobias could be worth or tobias i guess is part of ryan howard in the overpaid situation
0: yeah in the 93 phillies i feel like tobias is jim eisenreich i guess tobias could be like ibanez like a an
1: Ibanez, Ryan Howard mix of like is Tobias on steroids? <laughs> is Ibanez... was Ibanez a steroids guy? Oh come on! I mean like I, look, I, I, I have so no don't give a shit about steroids. Like it just so doesn't matter to me. Like the different gels and lotions and shit, it's all the fucking same. I I really it seems like you're look, parsing over stuff. I I just couldn't give
0: a shit. I I don't I don't know for sure obviously, but when you look at it, it's like guys don't really have career years at like thirty six. You know, it doesn't really know. make any sense. So um, this comes from Arsenio, a, a regular emailer now and a good emailer. I, I feel like this first question is specifically for you. I just said, quote, Ben Simmons is my fucking uncle in response to his spin and score on Luca. Luckily, my wife was in the other room with our daughter. What's the weirdest thing you've said while watching a Sixers game? Well, I'm sure Mike know. has some I, gems. Too much.
1: Too much. <laughs> it's... I. I could never do a a, a podcast during during a game like a mystery science theater. Like oh, I'm during, sure you're intolerable. Game situation. I don't know about intolerable. Just like just more like like manic. Like there's not. It's not a. It's not a fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when they're, I, I will say this. This year, it's been better. Obviously, they've been winning, so it's easier. But I feel like even in the losses this year, I've been significantly more well behaved. Maybe just because the whole season is happening during, during like quarantine pandemic situation that I'm just like, I don't have much left to give. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, I don't think I could do it. I, I really don't know. My brain, my brain isn't operating on like all cylinders when, when, uh, when the Sixers are playing.
0: Ben Simmons is my fucking uncle. <laughs> this is a grown man Say that 24 year old Ben Simmons is fucking, well, I guess you could have a young uncle. doesn't make any sense. Okay. Uh, random question for Spike I usually listen to the pod while running It'd be great if you can randomly say Keep going, you've got this to keep me motivated Thanks in advance Our Run cine- you asshole Yeah, push through Fucking push through, motherfucker I love this email It comes from Nathan from Perth, Australia Question number one I don't know if this has been discussed before, but in the closing of Sam Hinky's letter, he mentions that he is contactable on Twitter, which seems like a strange way for a business letter to end. Why would ownership ever contact him on such a forum? Do you, th- <laughs> Do you think there is any chance he had some idea of the Colangelo's Twitter split personality disorder ahead of his departure? Wait,
1: he's at the end of the the resignation letter, he said he's contactable on Twitter. So I'm going to look
0: this up and make sure. But I I seem to remember it being there. I don't remember that. Okay, wait, hold on. Thirteen page resignation letter. Hold on. The final line. I should have maybe double checked this, but it is, I, it
1: is very. It is so odd that the the sort of the arc of the Sixers GM situation. Uh, since hinky including Hinky. okay versus that's very bizarre last versus,
0: ther- oh go ahead I'm sorry
1: it's just very odd the the arc of like going from hinky who is like unreachable per like at least publicly um <laughs> that that was the whole deal with him is that people like you know the media was just like he's never talking to us even though he was um and then there was calangelo with obviously the burners um and then Elton who has a Twitter account that is very convincingly Elton but it's not Elton and it never does anything to really like push the envelope aside from tweet kinda like how Elton would tweet. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: And then now we have Darren Mori who's very publicly publicly on Twitter now retweeting the podcast with I guess compliments and a little bit of criticism. Uh, Very odd. Just a very odd run we've been on with uh, with our social media general managers.
0: The Elton brand Twitter is one of the funniest things ever because He never really broke that fake character. And I remember Elton telling me, like me asking him, are you sure that that is not you? Yeah. And he's like, I promise. So the last three graphs of Hinky's letter, uh, I will be repotted professionally. That is also uncomfortable. Most growth is, but it's also often healthier over the longest sweep of history, too. In the interim. I'll probably be with my wife and kids for a few weeks. If you need to reach me now or later, I'm available at, and then the, the email address is redacted, and I suspect someday soon on Twitter, at Sam Hanke. I wish you the well, best of luck. That's so fucking weird. It's Take so weird. Repotted potted
1: Professionally. Oh yeah, well, that I was—that that was one thing. of the good lines that kind of got lost to time, and there's been only a couple of things that stand out. But that is a just a, what an, what a specific and odd
0: man. Yeah, so specific and so odd. I, again, I think this is a, a question specifically for you, because if anybody knows this player, it would be you. I am from Perth in Western Australia. Local team, the Wildcats, are the most successful club in our league and have an American import import player, Bryce Cotton. He yeah. came to Australia as a replacement for another underperforming import. We're only allowed two. Anyway, he was in Australia for two months and led Perth to the championship while winning finals MVP. He has since won two of three possible three possible league M- MVPs. The other one was given to Bogut on a sympathy vote and won another two of three rings. The guy's a straight out scorer, plays hard every game. It seems to me he'd be a great piece on the Sixers. For context, Ball played in the league last year and I thought was totally underwhelming and is doing some good things in the NBA. While Bryce is the MVP again, is there a chance Bryce ever gets a shot? What do you think? Yeah, I
1: mean he did. He played a little bit earlier, and he's played a couple seasons, you know, sparingly, twenty-three total games. He's a like short scoring guard out of Providence, Um, just poured it on in college, Uh, but it's one of those kind of undersized all offense guards that that doesn't. It has to be so 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 special to to make it in the NBA. Um, but there's a lot of those things. It's like with the Sixers, it's like we, we got defense, defense we got. So I think you could put somebody in there that can just like get their own shot and get to the rim and stuff. How old uh, is Bryce Cotton? He's 28, okay. 29, 27, 28. Yeah. Um, he can certainly pour it in very, very like the, the tournament type player. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But I, I think it'll be it for Bryce. I think that I just don't think he's big enough. But uh, certainly, certainly, professional bucket getter.
0: It is interesting how some of the good leagues, like wasn't Sergio Rodriguez before we got him the EuroLeague MVP. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird how even in great leagues there are players that cannot hang in the NBA. But somehow, I assume it's just the style of play that allows them to do, or uh, on, honestly, something that you just mentioned, the size in those leagues yeah. just must not be anywhere near the NBA size.
1: I also think just, like, there's a comfort level. Sergio Rodriguez was certainly an NBA player. Like, he could certainly hang in the NBA the way, like, you know, Alfred Payton or Howell mm-hmm. Neto or whatever. There's plenty of, like, he's certainly a rotation player. It's just a matter of, like, wow, that guy was the MVP is, is, is a little wild to hear, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, let's do a few more to replace Michael Bivens, who never showed up. So th- this emailer has emailed us three or four times. It's always very strange, and he's left Apple reviews, and some of the words in the email are all caps. He signs it, your, I remain, sirs, your servant in most things, and he calls himself Chip Mitchell. I don't know if you remember him, but his emails are always very strange. Visually, it looks familiar. Right. I write today, sirs, because you're the only podcast I know that answers bathroom questions and discusses basketball. My email is about both. I live and work in Boston. I'm going to accentuate his his all caps words, where I find myself surrounded by Celtics people. Some of them are nice. Some of them are children. The rest are goons. They used to not be such a problem, for whenever I would overhear them jabbering in the subway, I would just insert my earphones, raise the volume, and sink into some Sanchez. Your charming back and forth would drown out their sub submental chatter, and sometimes I would feel so reassured that I would fall asleep and may miss my stop. Once the conductor had to rouse me with his shoe. Your your podcast was so good, I fell asleep. (laughs) That's a good point. Lately, however, my coworkers, Marcus Bigelow, and Sven Krakow have started following me into the bathroom at work to taunt me about the Sixers. They tell me about how my team sucks, and my shoes suck, and other such things. They do not say you suck, sirs, but that is only because they don't know you. They also say I owe them money, but that is false. Now, I don't care one bit what these clods say or think about me. I move through my days in a perfect bubble of indifference but I have noticed it causes a problem with what we shall call the process that usually occurs at a urinal. No matter my state of bladder, sirs, my tapeth runneth dry when these two clods stand on either side of me. They do not maintain social distance. Unfortunately, despite my best efforts, looking at the ceiling, flaring my elbows, emitting great satisfied sighs, they have noticed too. It has made them relentless in their pursuit of me And Krakow's desk is right next to the men's room door. This is because he's not a valued employee. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I ask, do you have any experience with what is commonly known as stage fright at the urinal? If so, do you have any helpful advice? If not, I see three options. Number one, ladies room. Number two, Snapple bottle. Number three, dehydration regimen. You'll say stall, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk about the stall. I should mention it would be a new Snapple bottle each day. I should mention that the ladies voted five to four to not let me use their restroom. I have a, so I get urinal stage fright constantly. I have something that I do. I wonder if you do. Uh, what a,
1: what a specific person. This, guy is i really enjoyed this is because he is not a valued employee
0: i fucking love Um, the writing of this i love it i want to put it on a t-shirt the uh (laughs) yeah i could get
1: pretty easily psyched out of most things um stage fright included i uh playing mario kart with Alyssa. she was behind me and uh was telling me i was gonna fall off the thing, I forget what level we were playing on, and then I did, of course, fall off. I'm e- very easily psyched out. I'm not, I don't have, like, singular focus. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, stage fright is included in that. Uh, I mean, that sounds like bullying. <laughs> that sounds like straight up, like, uh, a little bit abusive behavior. Uh, <laughs> They're um, following him into go, the
0: bathroom to
1: prevent Workers from- ...who you've named. Um, <laughs> so I, would t- I would tell somebody, be like, hey, can you make them stop doing this? Uh, we're adults. Um, I, like, I like that he's f- so vehemently against the stall, but I do think stall <laughs> is
0: the answer. It's a pretty clear answer there. <laughs> well, all right. I agree. You go into a... So, sometimes... I'm going to share my bathroom feelings sometimes. Sometimes I'll go into the bathroom, whether it be at work or somewhere else, and I go to use the urinal. And specifically, our bathroom at work only has one, one urinal and somebody's at it, so I gotta go in the stall. And it actually goes through my mind, if that person leaves at the urinal, I hope the next person comes in, doesn't think I just didn't go to the urinal and went right into the stall. Like, I, I'm self-conscious even about that. My way of fighting stage fright at the urinal is to imagine, I've been doing this for years, a giant, uh, giant cup, filled to the top with Mountain Dew and ice. The cup is sweating because the Mountain Dew and ice are so cold and it's hot outside, and the Mountain Dew is being poured out of the cup. That cures me of my stage fright. Interesting. All the runners right now are stopping on the side of the road to see <laughs> because you just painted <laughs> too clear of a picture. I love Chip. His emails are incredible, and uh, I would love to, um, I would love to know more about you. Or maybe I don't want to know more. This comes from Darian. Basketball question. Who would win in a one-on-one game to 21 between a defense-only Embiid and an offense-only Embiid? For clarification, assume one Joel is as good as he is on defense but has an offensive game of Ben Wallace. The other Joel is his normal self offensively but has the defensive game of Greg Monroe. Who wins and what's the score? Uh, the defense of Joel.
1: Really? Yeah. Although I think it's it's been tough. I think... I'm trying to imagine both of them. My brain is sort of hurting trying to think about how that game would go. But the I do think, anecdotally, it feels like Embiid has been scored on a little more regularly inside.
0: Um, do you mean like by I, people I, driving or by centers?
1: A little bit of both. Mm. Um, I think he... He certainly is a still a good shot blocker and 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 comes over to help a lot on drivers. But like it seems like quick guys that have a little floater to get up. I think he's I think he's always been fine like letting guys take floaters. But it feels like guys have been getting pretty decent looks off under him and and they can get to the cup a little bit. And I do wonder if maybe just how good he is offensively and how much of a load he is is taking up some of his defensive ability in the regular season or at least his defensive, um, you know action but they're yeah, still well, like a top 5 defense so maybe not but it just 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 to my eye it feels like it feels like people are scoring on him a little bit easier than they have been. Um yeah, I mean I think that engaged defensively Joel is really 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 good against anyone. And I think engaged without an offensive game I think would still be able to get by versus the the Greg Monroe defense um, would just be untenable. I would trust Ben Wallace offense. I would trust Ben Wallace offense over Greg Monroe defense. I guess is what I'm saying. I guess that's the question.
0: Yeah, I would take in a one on one game in a uh, in a team like setting. I would agree with you in a one on one setting. Give me the guy who can get the buckets as opposed to the guys trying to stop the guy uh, from getting the buckets. Joel's ability on, oh we didn't even fucking talk about it dude the the, the hardened step back that he did against um, uh, against Cleveland like it was like 16 feet away but it was like it was a real step back. It was the same mm-hmm. thing that Harden does. I, I just can't believe that a seven foot one, 280 pound guy did that. I would mm-hmm. take offensive Embiid, but I'm offense guy. Non-basketball question, as a place to live, what are some things you've noticed in other cities that you wish Philadelphia had? Well, I wish it had the weather of Los Angeles, but I. the one thing that I would say is that the... Um, the public transportation in a city like Chicago or New York is so superior to Philadelphia, which has a train that literally only runs on two streets, you know, only broad street and market. And like, you have to take buses. Otherwise, I would love to have a public transportation system like they have in Chicago or New York. You have any suggestions? Uh, LA would, that would be tremendous too. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, there'd be there's a lot of things about Philly. I wish LA had. Um, I can't really think of anything. The beach is nice.
0: Mike, I, I got an email from Seth. Let me read you this email. Can we get some information on the timing of when Mr. Pavorsky started going by LL? Is this a childhood nickname that predated LL Cool J, or did he decide in the late 80s that if LL Cool J should do it, he should too? We all know ladies love him, so really hoping for the latter. If he decided to start using it after the late 80s, but, com- but claims to be uninfluenced by the rapper, I will not believe it for one second. What is your best guess? Uh, I think absolutely influenced by the rapper. I think,
1: right. I th- and I think probably, you know, when, I don't know the year LL came into, LL Cool J came into like popular culture, I would say a good 10 years after that, Lee adopted it. <laughs> I think it was a long, I don't think it was right away, he was like, that's my guy, I'm going after it, I'm taking it too. I think it was, uh, a good, a, a solid 10 years after so
0: yeah, because so if, he, so if we count what, back,
1: like late '80s, early like late '90s, then
0: what? Early 2000s. Well, I mean, well, so L- Cool J
1: was what like late '80s?
0: Came around? Oh yeah, mid '80s, early to mid. Yeah, like '83, '84. So okay. if LL Pavorsky Jewelers only started 32 years ago, that's only 90. So that still brings him in after LL Cool J, even if he started it then. So uh, whether he stole his nickname or not, he's our guy. The first ever sponsor of the Ricky 211 writes to Ricky Sanchez, listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky, LL Fraud Pavorsky. Maybe there'll be a a cornblow lawsuit against LL from LL Cool J. Uh, He's the only one you can go to to buy an engagement ring or any kind of jewelry. Everything is by appointment only to keep safety and make sure he has also enough time for you whether it's in person on the phone online get at him and make an appointment uh lee at llpavorsky.com you can tweet at him at llpavorsky or just call the shop 215-627-2252 um Everything, if, if you do go in there, it'll be only you and you get to see Lee in the mask and the face shield in a suit, which is a special kind of thing. Lee also supports our charities, Coded by Kids and Providence Animal Center, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, gender is a construct, but they all love Pavorski. <laughs> and, and finally, um, from Bronson. My wife and I have been staying with in-laws in Bogota since December, and your pod has been my main connection with the English language since we arrived. Thanks to you guys, I can still remember my native tongue. Uh, I recently watched Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest, and I kept thinking of Q-Tip as Spike, the organized, structured producer who makes the show happen, and Mike as Fife Dog, the freewheeling, raw talent that gives the pod its picante. Aside from the fact that you guys don't have an adversarial relationship, is this a legit comparison? I don't. I don't know enough. I like
1: Tribe ProQuest. I don't know about enough the the personalities of each guy to. Okay, to say.
0: I mean, I think so. Those guys really fucking hated each other. Um, <laughs> so I, I, but he he says aside from that, I would say it is a fair comparison in the way that that he made it for sure. Wow, freewheeling. I don't consider myself freewheeling. Maybe I should well, start. But you're like the. You're like the funny, off-the-cuff, on-the-prepare-the-thing. Like sure. it's funny when when people have when people have hated me and told me to like get off of the podcast. Um, well, the podcast would be so much better with Spike. I sort of chuckle and go like, "All right," but there's not going to be a podcast if I'm not there. Yeah,
1: it'd just be me <laughs> recording like voice memos on my phone and just texting them to people.
0: Yeah, um, and then the basketball question. As I increasingly get frustrated watching Dwight do dumb stuff, I ask myself, how many better backup centers even exist in the NBA? Center seems like a shallow position, and is it possible Dwight's inadequacies only seem so intolerable because he backs up Joel? I think
1: this is a great great question, great correct point, um, and by the way, impressive to be doing them in English uh, in your native tongue still. Um yeah, I think that it's just the drop off from Joel. A lot of it is. Um it was weird, like Jokic for a number of years having Plumley as a backup was like, Well let's get the let's get a guy who can do as close to a Jokic impression as any other backup center. You know? It's like right. he's he's passing, he's moving, he does Plumley had a little more like screen setting and like rolling to the rim and being a good like, you know, finisher, I guess, around the rim. Um but with MB, it's just like there's just no one that is capable of doing that, and, and they have never had one. It was like, you know, Amir Johnson and Greg Monroe and then Boban and Horford a little bit was, I think, the right idea in the Horford sense of, like, a little smaller, theoretically more mobile, although that has not, was not the case. Um, pass the ball, move the ball, was a willing shooter from three. It's just like it, that kind of thing, like, would be right. There's just not that many of those guys, and especially don't want to pay someone a billion dollars to do that as a backup. So it's they're still finding the right thing. I think Dwight is like closer. I think he's had moments where he's been very helpful, but it, I think it, in, in any version, any time when Joel's so good that any time when he's off the court, it's just it's just gonna be worse. But that's why I would I would love for them to invest. Pretty serious draft capital in and i'm not a, i'm not a draft to center guy but like i would like them to to invest some draft capital in a uh shooting and defense stretch five like i don't need much else but like if they can stretch spread the floor and at least protect the rim in some some percentage of as much as joel does it then i think that that would be hugely helpful to the success of this team with Joel off the court and with Simmons uh, taking more of an offensive role in that in that in that capacity.
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot less about whatever wherever Dwight ranks as in terms of backup centers because he's I think he's clearly one of the best backup centers. It's more about what his skill set is. To your point, you know, you made a point when we were talking about DeAndre Ayton, and you said you think he would be like a top ten. Both offensive and defensive center, and I scoffed at that. And I remember mentioning it to Sharp, and he was like, "Well, how many good centers are there even? Like, like how you know? If he's that, you know, once you get to like ten or twelve, there's not a a ton of good centers anyway. So I think it's a thin position. I agree. I just with Ben as the primary ball handler, Dwight doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't work. Like it. it, Mm It, they can get by a little bit. They just it's not about needing somebody better, it's about needing somebody that fits a little more appropriately. But, you know, Dwight has yeah. Dwight has good two-week periods and bad two-week periods like, you know. For sure. Yeah. Another guy I'm looking at in the draft is uh, to potentially
1: profile as a backup center is Kai Jones of of Texas. Uh, okay. he's a sophomore. He's super athletic, super smart and has a has a burgeoning jumper. So I'm I'm It's tough because his team could use another, you know, you want Maxie to develop into that if they trade maxi then then it becomes you know future future point guard that's like a quick scoring guard becomes more of a a, a necessary uh position but it'd be really nice to spend some draft capital on a backup five that can actually like live because it seemed like they tried to do it like jonah bolden would have been nice in that in that scenario but just like never developed i have no idea where he is actually right now um it'd be nice if they got one that's like hey we got it it's check check the box we're good for a long time with this with this person, you know, backing up Joel for at least, like, you know, three or four years.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. Do you think they'd be able to use a, a rookie in that role, though?
1: I think it depends. I mean, I, like, a guy like Xavier Tillman, who uh, is on Memphis and who is a four-year player at Michigan State, um, right away is like, I'm a, I'm a positive NBA player, and that was very clear that it would be. Um, his upside is limited in the sense that, like, he's not a dynamic offensive player, and I think you can get a lot of those kinds of uh fine big men in like a chem birch type it's, I always go to Ken Birch. He's always the guy that you go to it's like a just a scrap heap guy. But I, I do like Ken Birch. Um but it would be nice to have someone that like is a little bit smarter, which Tillman is, and he was available in the I think the early second round was when Memphis took him. Um and uh I think that you know drafting a you know Jonah, Jonah Bolden was super raw. I think it's gonna be Based on who you can get, like there, there's a guy named Jay Huff I've mentioned before on on Virginia who's a, a four year player there, who is a, a good shooter and a good shot blocker, pretty slow laterally and stuff, but he's a smart player and I think that's a guy that's like he will be he could step in right now and be maybe fine, um, mm-hmm. but there's you know drafting a guy that's a little younger a little bit like needs to get there. Is, I'm I'm not against that either. I think that's still worth, a worthwhile use of draft capital, but yeah, as far as counting on a rookie at, as a as a five is, is tough.
0: Yeah. b, uh, b- ball Paul is like 6'10", isn't he? b ball Paul could be the answer. He could yeah. be the answer.
1: Um, I think as you know, he's certainly a different kind of player than Joel, but he's, he's long, and he has good nose for the ball, and he runs out in transition. I, I don't trust the shot. Uh, I don't trust the way the shot looks. It's tough, but uh, I think he's certainly an interesting player for sure
0: his nickname is basketball. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's yes, like, a great one. Yeah.
1: Delaware has dropped the last 4 games, which is tough after a 7-0 start. It's a real it's a real collapse of epic proportions, but Well, that's still, why they
0: that's why they called upon Isaiah Joe for there some you go. The, yeah, they needed some backup. All right. Uh Go Sixers. Um Go two more games till the All-Star break? Yeah, two more. I think we got two I more. I think so. Yeah.
1: Have they announced like who is going to be in the skills competition and all that crap?
0: No, I don't think so. Shake should be in the skills competition. Oh, like the like the like the like the the one where they run up and down the court and throw the ball through the tire? Yeah,
1: he should be able to do that. He's he's at that level, I think. Is his handle tight enough for that? I think so. I think he's got like a smoothness that could allow him to win that. I would love for Shake to be in the skills comp. Maybe maybe that's a next year thing. Maybe he's still like bursting onto the scene a little bit for for normal people, but maybe next year. I don't I don't know who if they're like offering it to people and they're being like, "Fuck that, I'm not going." But for a guy like Shake, who is, you know, late second round pick, first time getting like a ton of minutes, um, it'd be, that'd be pretty dope, I think, for him. I would love it. Uh,
0: yeah, two more games, Pacers on Monday night, and then at home against the Jazz, and then the yeah. next game is uh, the Bulls on the 11th. So it would and then That's why it
1: would have been so nice to just take care of the Cavs, because Pacers-Jazz is a tough way to end the first half of the season, and... Uh, you kind of got to win them both to feel to feel good about it, especially because, like, you know, the Jazz smoked them before and the Pacers are a little bit struggling. Um, it would be nice to go go into the All-Star break in
0: first place and feel a little confident. And then right after the break, they have five games and seven nights. So it goes Bulls, Wizards, back-to-back. Wizards are playing or winning games, at least. I'm not watching them, but they're winning games. Mm-hmm. Um, then Spurs, Knicks, and Bucks. So... Um, Five and seven is tough, so, all Regular right. Regular season, we're just getting through it. Yeah, just just getting through it. Just uh, ready to flip the switch, always works for me. <laughs> are, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know this. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me,
1: then I won't fuck with
0: you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck with
1: fuck you. If you don't fuck with me, with
0: you. But if you fuck with me, I'm not gonna fucking kill you! That's a plan B.